Pod Save the King! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, Zoe Forsey. We really hope you enjoyed our interview with Dr. Tessa Dunlop last week. Now, we've got two weeks of royal news to catch up on. We've had a state visit with lots of jewels and tiara. We've had the end of Mike Tyndall's stint in the jungle and a weird amount of animals this week that I wasn't quite expecting with trips to the zoo. But before we get going on that, uh, we are going to discuss the shocking events from an engagement earlier this week, which has sparked a huge race row. I'm joined as always by our royal editor at Russell Myers who's dialing in from Boston where he's joining the Prince and Princess of Wales on their tour but we'll come back to that later. Now Russell what has happened with this with this really shocking kind of row that's kicked off in the last couple of days? Well hello yeah hello from a very sunny uh, a very sunny a little bit chilly get a bit of weather news in there straight away but um, I mean this is absolutely extraordinary this story and the way that it has sort of uh, developed and enveloped the royal family over the course of the last sort of, 24 hours um, has been pretty extraordinary because uh, essentially uh, there was a uh, an engagement on Tuesday at Buckingham Palace which um had been covered very widely. It was the Queen Consort, so one of her her first major speeches um, as a, in her new role. She was gathering three hundred uh, campaigners to to celebrate the the really important work done in sort of the the domestic violence field and and campaigning against domestic violence um, against women and girls. There was an awful lot of um, very I mean pretty pretty incredible people in that room sort of a who's who of uh, of, of the main players in the in the space and um it's then emerged on twitter that a lady called ngozi Fulani had uh, had been invited to the palace in, in uh, as part of her her role with a london charity called sister space and uh, she said that she had mixed feelings of being invited to the palace on the one hand she really enjoyed it and the other hand that she had been a victim of uh, of of an assault is how she put it but i think that the the context was that she had been approached by a, a, a palace representative. She named this um, person as Lady S.H. Um, so didn't go into full, full details about who it was, but then proceeded to give a transcript of um, the uh, the incident um, and then sort of told this sort of shocking tale of how this uh, this woman had quizzed her, later said that she interrogated her about where she was from, not only where she was from, but her heritage, her, um, w- w- what country she was from. And, um, and there enveloped this rather, rather unsavory situation where it appeared that she'd been um, a victim of racism. Um, give you a bit of uh, details about Ngozi. She's a, a British-born director of this charity in East London. She has only ever lived in Britain. She is a black woman. She was uh, dressed, I would say, uh, in traditional dress. Um, she looked rather fantastic. And there was a uh, a woman called, as she said, Lady Ace H, who, I, I mean, I, I saw that and immediately assumed it was Lady Susan Hussey. Um, Lady Susan Hussey is or was one of the, the late Queen's most trusted confidants. She'd worked with uh, her by her side for 60 years. Um, she was often referred to as the head girl in this sort of uh, this arrangement of ladies in waiting. 
that the Queen had had about seven of them. There's only three of them who have been kept on in this honorary role uh, by King Charles. And she had been recently made a, a lady of the household. Now, this is an honorary role where they're not paid to do. They would have accompanied the late Queen on a series of events as a uh, as support. She'd been seen in the state Bentley travelling to Prince Philip's funeral. So she was very, very close to the Queen. And just so, quickly to interrupt here, yes. another thing that just for people that have recently watched The Crown, she was she had quite a role in that. So where it was her she and her did, husband, yeah. who was obviously the director of the BBC at the time. So there were loads. So that's kind of the involvement. That's how close they are to the royal family. Very that she much had so. a starring yeah, totally. role in so, The Crown. So so she she, she so Miss um, Villani says that she uh, palace representative in quotes moved my hair to see her name bred and then asked persistent questions concerning her race and heritage. Um, Miss, uh, she said Miss, Miss Hussey came over, or Lady Hussey came over unannounced and said, where do you come from? So this conversation that, that transpires is that she then said, what, nation, what nationality are you? Where do your people come from? Where, what part of Africa are you from? And, and Gozi is saying, well, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Sister Space, which is the organization. I'm from London. Again, where are you from? Well, I'm from Hackney, which is East London. And um, then apparently Lady Hussey says to her, I can see I'm going to have to challenge, a challenge of, of getting you to say where you're from. When did you first come here? Again, Ngozi replies, I'm a British national. My parents came here in the 1950s. Before Lady, say, Lady Hussey responded by saying, oh, I knew we'd get there in the end. You're Caribbean. So then it's all, you know, it's gone down this rabbit hole of this sort of awfully awkward conversation where Ngozi is, is feeling pretty set upon. I mean, she said this was, this happened within the first 10 minutes of this engagement that was going to go on for a couple of hours. There was uh, another two uh, representatives from other charities that she knew. One of those is a, a lady called Mandu Reed, who I spoke to yesterday, who's the chair of the uh, Women's Equality Party. And they were kind of just standing there flabbergasted that this was happening. Again, L Lady Hussey is an 83-year-old woman who, and I've seen a lot of people, you know, on my Twitter and people who have been direct messaging me saying, almost excusing this 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 pattern of language this pattern of behavior because of her age but when you spoke when i when you speak to as i did yesterday the people who witnessed this event they were in no um no doubt that this was uh, an interrogation that uh ngozi was being put upon i mean she even told, told, told the mirror yesterday what she did was racism through and through it was prolonged racism the fact that it was ju just done in front of people openly on a day when we should have working towards violence against women i just wanted to leave i felt very unwelcome i have never lived anywhere else i've only lived in britain um, the, and then the fact that she said that it it, it set her back decades. It, it made her feel what her parents had probably felt, experiencing abhorrent racism back in the fifties, sixties when when they'd moved here. So what happens is, I mean, this this then is is put on Twitter. Um, then Ngozi and Mandu Reid were, were speaking out to journalists such as my, myself, and uh, the palace were. I mean, in one sense, they were caught in a spin, but in another sense, they moved very, very quickly to, to try and deal with the situation. And what has happened is uh, Lady Hussey has stepped down from her honorary role that she's had for 60 years. Um, but I think 
there are bigger questions at play here because we already have um, allegations of racism within Buckingham Palace, within the royal family that have been well documented from Meghan Markle. There was uh, an investigation uh, which was ongoing to about treatment of staff and um, the, the principals and, and and all that situation that was was happening with with um, Meghan's allegations that has essentially been swept under the carpet. We haven't heard anything about what the recommendations were from from those investigations that took place last year and now we have another situation where um i would say one of the queen's most trusted um friends confidants someone who was by her side for many many decades has treated someone so appallingly and regardless of what you you may try to excuse the behavior i think it are it it poses a lot more questions and the reason why it does is because, make no mistake, the palace will be absolutely fearful that more people um, make these these types of allegations. I mean, we're just just today we have a guy, uh, Nazir um, Afzal, who is one of the top lawyers in the country. He was a former head of the Northwest uh, Public Prosecution Service. He was also at uh, he was uh, given his proper title. Nazir was actually chief crown prosecutor for the Northwest. He's a well-known public figure. Um, he was also at this event uh, where Ngozi Fulani was um, set upon, I suppose, by Lady Arcee on uh, on Tuesday at Buckingham Palace. And now he has come out and said that Lady Hussey also approached him and started questioning his heritage as well, just to give you a background on Nazir. Nazir is, uh, is of Asian heritage. So, I mean... This is two in in the space of 24 hours. How many more are there? Is this was this a pattern of behaviour? Was this something that other people may have had uh, to endure this experience? And when the late Queen was around, people may have thought, well, you know, ev- everybody loves the Queen. I don't want to make a fuss. I don't think um, I will be listened to. It would reflect badly on the Queen if I did it. I mean, when I go to Buckingham Palace, I find it a pretty intimidating place at the best of times. You know, and I'm a white middle-aged male. If you are then not from who have been visiting the palace, you know, for five five years or so, and if you're if you're not accustomed to to that place, which is fairly, you know, it's an intimidating environment. And I think you just look at Ngozi yesterday when she said she felt. Um, pretty bereft of that situation she didn't want to be there she wanted to leave where she was one of these top campaigners who's been invited to share her experiences and then she was made to feel um in her words other uh, made to feel completely unease. and if there is a, a, now a cascade of other allegations like this i think the palace are going to be in a real real spin uh, about this and you mentioned at the top of the show, um, of course, I'm in Boston for, for William and Kate's trip here, which is all about Earthshot, William's fantastic environmental prize, which is launching the second uh, instalment of the awards on Friday. And I'm pretty yeah, sad to say, especially for them, because I know a lot of hard work from them and their team has gone into it. It is massively overshadowed. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think I don't think this issue is going to go away. I think it's going to um, get worse before it gets better for the palace. Now, as you said, they reacted very early on and we had, we've had we had two statements, haven't we? We had one kind of official statement which came out within, oh gosh, how quickly was it? It was very a soon, few hours, a few I hours. Think, I mean, yeah, a few hours. I mean, they, 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 
they said uh, that they they told myself and other journalists that they had launched an investigation on learning of the allegations. And then it was later announced that, I mean, Lady Hussey wasn't named uh, by Buckingham Palace, although her name was obviously out there and had been confirmed by the people who witnessed this, um, that she was going to step down from her honorary role. Uh, just again, a bit of context. The palace spokesman said we took, they'd taken the incident extremely seriously and that staff would be, in quotes, reminded of the diversity and inclusion policies which they are required to uphold at all times. Now, again, some people are saying, well, this lady has just been sort of thrown to the walls. She didn't mean it. It wasn't, um, it was uh, a blunder, a faux pas. I, I mean, I don't stand on that platform, to be honest. I think that, that the language, the, the, the type of incessant, repetitive questioning was beyond something that you could excuse. And regardless of her age, you 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 wouldn't have ever heard the Queen talk like that. You wouldn't have expected anyone within palace circles who welcome everybody to meetings at the palace. You know, prince, pauper, people from different ethnic backgrounds and minorities. So you can't just excuse someone's behaviour based upon that, that that they made they may have made a, a you know a slight slip up. I think it's it's much deeper than that, and certainly that's what will be worrying the palace that there is. Um, that there has been a chain of, of, of behaviour that people have felt very, very intimidated with and that they, they felt that they couldn't make complaints. And then we also had words from Prince William's spokesman. Now, this I was kind of, I was surprised to see, but but pleasantly so. And I wanted to get your take on to whether you thought this is maybe how William is going to do things moving forward. As normally you get it, is you'd get an official line from Buckingham Palace or whichever house was responsible for said incident. And then the rest kind of would remain quiet on it. But we had something from William's camp very early on. And the the line said, you know, it is a matter for Buckingham Palace. But as the Prince of Wales' spokesman, I appreciate you're all here and I understand you'll want to ask about it. So I'm assuming this is something that was actually said when you guys were out in Boston. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they were they couldn't not address it. I mm. mean, Lady Hussey is Prince William's uh, godmother. Again, a, a bit of background there was a lot of people saying you know there's got nothing to do with William well I think it has because as his godmother that is a fairly um well very important religious um I suppose job role given to someone to yeah. godmother it's supposed to be your your sort of guiding light isn't it uh, away from your parents somebody who shapes your view of the world and your personality and if someone has made those comments well i do i do think it does reflect badly on the palace and prince william as the heir to the throne now i think when we were asking questions prior to william and kate arriving obviously his team had to get ahead of this um and I mean, stating the obvious pretty much of saying that racism has no place in our society. Well, William knew that those comments were going to be made by his spokesman. He'd essentially signed them off. He totally agreed with them. Uh, and I'm sure he was pretty livid because he's just about to step on a plane talking about Earthshot being his big Super Bowl moment to uh, to launch it in America. No doubt, of course, the the uh, questions will be raised about whether they were going to see Harry and Meghan, the fact that they're in the US for the first time since Harry and Meghan moved here. There's just so many distractions, and this is just sort of blown it out of the water. So in that sense, I, I do feel that they are they're removed from the situation. He couldn't have done anything. Absolutely powerless to, to then start 
trying to dictate how that plays out in the media and on social media and they've just got to get on with the job haven't they but you know they they've they've come here and it's i won't lie i think it's it has been massively massively overshadowed and we haven't even got into, you know, Harry and Meghan dropping another bombshell, but we'll we'll mention that in a minute. Well, yeah, just before we move on for this, one of the things I wanted to, to do quickly was because as with things like this happens, is the such a, you know, awful, shocking incident overshadows the amazing work that Sister Space do. So I just wanted to very quickly, so it's been founded in November 2015 uh, and it's a specialist charity that supports African and Caribbean heritage women affected by domestic and sexual abuse. So they do absolutely amazing work um, all across the UK. They are fantastic. If you want to find anything more about it, it's sisterspace.org and that is spelled S-I-S-T-A-H and you can find out loads more about them there. You can donate, you can look to volunteer with them. There's so many, you know, I really urge you to go and because I didn't know about them until, you know, for obviously this isn't in no way the reason I wanted to find out about them, but um, it's definitely worth going and finding out a bit more about the work they do. Now, Boston, tell us about Boston. Yeah. When did you get there? When did I get here? Tuesday. So I arrived 24 hours ahead of the Royals. Um, I was losing track of time. I don't know what it's, it's always weird coming east or west rather. <laughs> because you, you, you're you're trying to stay on UK time, but it's all it's all a bit of a muddle. It doesn't um, quite work. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I think this is the awards is going to be great. Big star studded uh, cast. We've already got. I mean, we didn't do this last week, did we? So who have we got? We've got Annie Lennox. We've got. I can't remember. Did we speak about this last week? We didn't. No. Right. Okay. I'm going to give you a rundown. So the they've come to Boston, and the reason they've come to Boston is because of the obvious links with John F. Kennedy, former U.S. president, who created the the, the moonshot, um, giving uh, the American people really rousing speeches about the space race and how that developed into the, the side by side with the American dream, I suppose. And, and William is trying to recreate that by trying to give hope to an impossible situation of the climate emergency and trying to find these solutions um, over the next 10 years. So they've come to Boston. They've been really, really w w widely welcomed before they'd even shown up. There was a, a fair few hundred people braving the, uh, the rain, a very soggy atmosphere outside the City Hall uh, last night. Um, and William's give, been given a couple of arousing speeches. It seems that though the city is very, very in tune with climate acti um, activism. It's right on the coast. They're talking about a lot of coastal erosion, rising sea levels. Um, and I think it's, uh, as William said himself, it was the perfect place to have the second instalment of the awards that is going over the next uh, decade. So, so where where are we? I mean, I feel I feel for them because the amount of work that they've put into this and it it, it has been overshadowed. You look at any of the websites, it's not just website and newspapers such as ourselves. It's on the BBC. It's on the it's on the Guardian, the Independent. Everybody is talking about the distractions. And then you also get an incident, which I must address, that happened last night. And William and Kate were attending the Boston Celtics game, basketball game versus Miami Heat. <laughs> and uh, they were sitting courtside with the owners. They were sitting with the, the governor general and the, the mayor, Michelle Wu. And um, when they showed up on the big screen uh, over the, over the, I was about to say the pitch, over the court, 
there were a smattering of booze and I found that really interesting. So I went and I, I'd heard a, a group of guys behind me and they were booing when they came up on the, the big screen, you know, like the kiss cam they do yeah. at these, uh, but there was no, there was no kissing from the Royals. Although they were quite tactile yesterday. They were, You'd there see, was some, like some... holding hands and when they were sitting they next were. to each other. I do love the, at the basketball, you just, the, the, you look very celeb when you sit in that front row, don't you? Whenever I think of it, I always think of like Adele or Beyonce, you know, they always sit there and it, that's what it made me think of last night. But as you said, yeah. when they were on the big screen showing that, it wasn't the reaction that we would have maybe expected. Well, you know, and I think, listen, but um, Boston has a, a real big Irish heritage. Um, I, I From the, the people that I spoke to, so I, I basically spoke to this group of guys that I could hear booing and chanting USA, USA. And they they basically said it wasn't any, you know, major political statement. It was just to, rem- in this, and I'm quoting them, to remind you you're in the USA. And they, I suppose a lot I of people I think that was a polite a version of what the version that you told me that oh, well, earlier. There was, a bit, there was, there a was an added, an added F there, word yeah. in there, wasn't it? <laughs> they may have had a few drinks, these yeah. lads, but there was, there was a, it, I spoke to a few other people. Somebody said perhaps it was the fact that there's a big Irish connection with the, the team and the city. It's a bit weird. British prince and a princess coming to that sort of environment. Other people had no idea who they were, weren't bothered at all. But just to give, again, a bit of an idea, because it wasn't just me who heard it. My colleagues were, sit- was, were sat all dotted all around the stadium and there were pockets of booze. There were a lot of cheers. The booze didn't drown out the cheers. But I think it's really interesting because I couldn't have imagined, even when I've, you know, in the time that I've been doing this job, of that happening uh, on engagements. And certainly you know, in the Queen's era, Diana era, I just think it's um, it's very interesting that this this is happening, and it's something that they're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. There's that the, they have been really, really widely welcomed today. There's been an engagement um, to do with climate change, and there's been a big crowds there, loads of people loving to see them, and it has gone down really well. But again, there's an awful lot going on over the over over today. Um, I'm chomping at the bit to to come on to the Harry and Meghan stuff. When I mean, it is it's a massive deal because I've spoken to some people today. Harry and Meghan's um, Netflix series is coming out next week, right? I would have bet my house on the fact that they would have dropped a trailer for this this week. Well, because it's, it's really something that we've late. Discussed. I was actually I was out with friends last night and we were discussing. You know, I was like, there's no publicity about it. Normally, if you think of The Crown, if you think the dropping they did for The Crown, so you get the, yeah. you know, the series is being filmed a year before. Then you get the first pictures of them in the characters. Then you get the first official thing. And there has been absolutely nothing. So we've been wondering what on earth is going on. But I think we need to talk about this in two halves. Let's talk about the kind of royal connection mm. first and the, the, the fact of the date it dropped and everything. And then we'll talk about the contents of what's in the trailer. Yes. Let's so, do that. why is it such a big deal that they dropped it? I'm well, coincidence well, or not, the day before well, listen, William's biggest event of the year. I mean, it's, it's there's no in my mind, right? This is my personal opinion. I have absolutely no insight into why Netflix have dropped this now or why Harry and Meghan have chosen. But I will tell you that Harry will definitely know how important it is to not torpedo another member of the royal family's big moments you know it's uh, it's happened in the past where 
uh, Harry and Meghan uh, had made statements when Charles was on tour. And it's just a no-no within the, the sort of hierarchy of the monarchy. Listen, they don't, well, what do they care about that anymore? They've stepped away. They don't have any reason to not do what they want. It, it's perf- perfectly reasonable you, to suggest that um, seven days out from the, a huge, huge Netflix series that they've paid been paid a fortune for, um, that they want to do the promo when they want to do the promo. It's it's pretty unfortunate timing, right? That we are looking at a race row enveloping the uh, the, the monarchy, and we are looking at um, William and Kate in Boston, who are struggling to get their sort of earth shot message off the ground, and then this drum this bomb drops. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I, I could I, as I said. When I when when I was looking at the schedule and thinking, oh, well, that's going to come out next week, I, I would have bet my house on it that they would have dropped it. Because it, you, you talk about it not having coverage, it's going to have acres of coverage. It's on every single website, news, you know, social media. It's absolutely everywhere. Oh, so 100%. in terms and of Netflix, it's it's achieved the goal, isn't it? Yeah, and from you know, kind of a newsroom point of view, as soon as that dropped, you know. A- good chunk of the newsroom it was right drop everything else and focus on this and that is has been the top of the mirrors website ever since it dropped now it's very dramatic isn't it it's more in my head I pictured it was going to be more kind of light friendly fly on the wall then walking around kind of oh this is what it's like behind the scenes at the things we're doing and you know more them gardening and I thought it was going to be very kind of soft but it's not it sounds like they're going no. hard in there's we've got the, there's a clip of Megan crying and Harry kind of leaning back on his chair looking kind of very very distressed you know you've got Harry using that quote which he said quite a few times before but it is still very powerful of you know I had to do everything I could to protect my family you've got Megan saying here outside of the story you don't know what goes on behind closed doors there's there's a lot of really heavy stuff it sounds like they're going to be discussing and they've also said they've got you know chats with friends and family which I you know didn't wasn't expecting to have was this what you envisioned it being like yeah I mean they've, they've got paid an absolute fortune for it they've got to they've got to go all guns blazing haven't they because if it's if it's it's like Harry's book it's not going to be a wet blanket it's going to be you know pretty heavy stuff um the uh, the other thing I'm which is just extraordinary in that tiny trailer. Well, I haven't counted the amount of photos, but I'm sure someone else has. You just, this uh, is sort of a lot, yeah. machine element. For a couple that wanted privacy, they're just blown it out of the water. Yeah, and, and that's holiday um, photos. You've got an unseen pregnancy bump picture. There's photos yeah. of them kind of sitting in a kitchen, obviously after a night out, you know, kind of when you get home and you kick your shoes off, having a kiss in there. Um, there's there's a wedding photo. There's oh, yep, have you seen yeah. in the background of the wedding photo, which is I think one of my favourite things from it. There's you can just see in the background of that slot, you can just see Mike Tyndall having a boogie, <laughs> which obviously, I really enjoyed. Yeah. yeah, hopefully not ripping his trousers yeah. and exposing his underwear <laughs> this time. But I, I, I thought that was probably my first. Um, I was quiet. I thought I thought it would be massive drama. We were all going to be talking about it. I I I, I was shocked at the amount of personal insights but you know if this is a six eight ten part um netflix series well it's going to have to have content isn't it and that's that's the way it is i will say they look very happy they did They're, look you know, very, very, happy. very lovey-dovey and i think that that is looks like genuine warmth um which is why 
I mean, I you know, I can't. What was the? What does Megan say? I mean, I know that Harry says no one sees what's happening behind closed doors. I had to do everything to protect my to protect my family. This is it. On on the question of why they wanted to make the show, which flashes up, one could say sacked loads of cash. But um, Megan adds, when the stakes are this high, doesn't it make more sense to hear our story from us? And it's the drama is just in her, you know, the the way she speaks, her diction. I mean, listen, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be absolutely incredible, isn't it? So, I'm very, very excited. And we will have a full report on that for you next week once we've had a chance to, once it's finally dropped. Now, kind of staying on a bit of a TV theme, Mike Tindall, uh, stint in the jungle has ended. Uh, he didn't quite make the final. He came in fourth place. And I had another final catch-up with The Mirror's uh, showbiz editor, Mark Jeffries, to find out how it all went on and what things were like at the very very boozy by the sounds of it after parties well hello mark and you are back in the uk you've landed have you recovered yet or are you still kind of all over the place i wouldn't say i've recovered just yet but yeah i'm, I'm you know it's, it's all finished and it was a great really great series this year i think so um yes yeah, it's, it's i'm sort of quite sad it's over in a way i guess it was such a good series. And I must say, I'm absolutely gutted that Mike didn't make the final. I really, I would have put money on him being top three. Yeah, I think, um, I think really in most years he would have been, he would have been top three. I think most years he would have been third, to be honest with you. Um, we had quite a strange situation with, uh, with Matt Hancock and people saying that there were, there were TikTok campaigns to get people to vote for him and things. So it, it was quite a strange setup going into the last couple of days of the show. Um, so, yeah, I think he was a little bit unlucky not to be there on the last day. Um, the good thing is he did get to do Cyclone, which I know a lot of them really like to do this trial called the Cyclone. Um, and he was there for that. And So just to explain really- to people that haven't seen the show before, I don't even know how you'd explain it. But, yeah, it's essentially just this absolutely mad challenge, isn't it? It's kind of you, essentially all they've got to do is put these like big uh, like foam squares on different points up a hill. But that hill you've got everything throwing down at you there's there's like gunk there's guns there's water there's giant inflatable balls it's absolutely mad isn't it yeah there's there's these wind machines as well so it's kind of a, a bit like a, people sort of liken it to like a bit like a water slide on a water park but i guess an uphill one with like you say giant balls slime wind machines it's a crazy thing and it looks so much fun when you watch it on screen i think lots of them just want to want to do it um, they don't want to necessarily win or mind of their second or third but if they get to do the cyclone it's like quite a sort of thing to be able to do because only only the last last few get to do it i uh, yeah if anyone's that's not watched it because i know obviously lots of people in america have been able to see it, i've strongly suggest that you youtube mike tindall <laughs> cyclone because it was it was very funny to watch and he definitely he kind of landed on matt hancock at one point didn't he which was everyone a lot of people wondering how much of an accident that was but it was very funny i was kind of yeah i yeah. forgot about that but there was there were some people suggesting he might have even rugby tackled yeah. that thing. Um, <laughs> he certainly didn't hold back and uh yeah a few people who maybe aren't the biggest fans of his were, were quite pleased to see it happen i think yeah it was it was good fun now we finally got to see Zara, and she was there for that traditional moment where they walk out the over, you know, kind of walk over the bridge, and they're finally reunited. And it was a really lovely moment, wasn't it? They had like a huge, a huge hug. You could hear him saying, you know, saying how much he missed her. When did you? Because I know that you'd been at the airport quite a few times, but we didn't get Zara with everyone else. When did you finally? When did you finally manage to track her down? 
No, it was really interesting with Zara because I think she probably only came into Australia a day or two beforehand. Um, she hadn't been at camp with the rest of the friends and family watching the show when there'd been other evictions. So whether she was confident Mike was going to do well or whether she stayed in England till the end of the week with, with the, for the kids, for school and stuff, I'm not sure. But she was photographed in Byron Bay, which is about an hour from, from the jungle. That was on the, on the Saturday in the daytime, I think. And then it was Saturday night that he went. So it was only really... The first time I'd, that we saw her was was on screen, really, and then obviously if, if people had seen it, seen her earlier in the day um, at Byron Bay. But yeah, she 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 just arrived then, and and then we saw her quite a lot around the place for the next couple of days. But um, yeah, she she left it quite late to come over, I think. And they fully embrace the kind of after party scene, which always looks really, I always love the pictures from I'm a Celeb because you're so used to seeing them, you know, no makeup, hair not washed in however long in the same things. And I do love when they all come out and they've got the the glam and because we saw Mike at the final, but obviously because, you know, all the ex-camp mates go back in and he looked really good. He looked really happy. Um, and yeah, they've been together for all of it, haven't they? She's been kind of arm in arm at lots of events, which has been lovely. Yeah, the first thing they do is they walk back into this hotel and uh, and Mike came back in and sort of held his arms aloft as if he'd, you know, won the rugby match or whatever. And and Zara was, yeah, right next to him at that point. Um, And by this point, the the final weekend, some expats and some fans tend to hang around the hotel in the lobby and try and get selfies with with some of the other celebrities. And and, uh, Zara was fully embracing that. I saw her getting a picture taken with lots of very sort of respectful. Generally, it was it's quite a sort of older women who were very politely asking for their picture with Zara, whilst lots of other people were sort of mobbing Mike. And it was <laughs> great. They yeah, they were fully getting involved involved with that, which was good fun and uh, you know not not sort of holding back. And then yeah, after that and and after the final itself, there were some some sort of nice big sort of evenings out between the celebrities and, and Zara was involved in that as well. And uh, yeah, quite a few, I think, drinks and nice dinners and things. And and Mike made a speech at one of those as well, which was quite interesting, I thought. Well, yeah, because they binned off the... Binned off maybe is a bit harsh, but they didn't go to... Is it right they didn't go to the official rap party? They just went for a very fancy dinner themselves? Yeah, it was, it was different this year. That They always have a few drinks at the hotel and then normally they would join the production crew that uh, a rap party at a surf club i mean it was it wasn't a very nice evening to be honest with you it rained a lot and this this surf club is quite exposed to the elements so i wonder if that might have been a reason or or just that maybe it was it was decided this year it was just going to be for the crew it's themselves whatever happened anyway all the celebs went out um and they went to a very nice uh, i think it was a seafood restaurant um on the marina, which is actually close to the where the Versace Hotel, where they used to stay, and also mm-hmm. quite close to where they're staying this year. And they had a sort of three, three or four hour meal and, and a lot of drinks taken there. And so, uh, yeah, a couple of the celebrities shared um, a speech that Mike gave. He sort of got up and it was quite, a, I suppose, the rugby player in him, it's reminded me a lot of sort of speeches you see rugby players make. And But he, what he was saying was, was, was good, I thought. He was just saying how... They they were they'd made really good friendships in there and um, it, they were, it was important that they stayed in contact. They didn't sort of just let these things disappear. And he was saying when they're together on the planes home and things like that, they should talk about their experiences and how to keep things going and keep the friendships going. And a lot of people say that when they're in there, they, you're only in there for a few weeks, but because you're all together for such long periods of time, it's the equivalent of maybe a year or two with you could you know a normal friendship. And so I think he just wanted to emphasise that he felt that he'd made some friendships in there that he thought were worth carrying on. 
And so maybe we're going to see Zara and Mike out with, I don't know, other couples from, from there out with Anna Deck or whatever, you know, whether we're going to see them out in the future, mixing with some of these people. It'd be really interesting to see if, if his speech does, does have impact and that they are sort of seen together out in a few months' time. For me as well, the fact that he stood up and gave this speech, I, I don't know, I saw him as a bit of an unofficial leader of the camp and I think I didn't notice it until he went and you know when they had the last night where they all go for their dinner where they get to pick the meal it did feel like something was missing like that kind of you know he always maybe it's obviously the clips they see but he seemed to lead a lot of the conversations he it felt like he brought everyone together and that missing link I think you really noticed on the last day yeah I think it was a really good thing that he didn't go much earlier because um, there was definitely a point at the start where they were talking about Sue Cleaver this um, actor from Coronation Street she was sort of the mum figure and Mike was the father figure and he yeah he seemed to have a lot of um, organisational skills in there and he was also very good at I think keeping people's morale up he would go around in the morning sometimes and give them all big hugs and yeah when they came out a lot of them spoke about how he was sort of a, a rock in there I suppose for them and, and was and he didn't really seem to dip very much when he came out he did say he sort of hinted to Anderdeck that his body was sort of starting to say he was coming towards the end so he wasn't too disappointed to leave but I don't think we really saw that he seemed to be the one in there who was very comfortable with the situation and and was yeah was the one that kept everyone else's morale up really that's it one thing that I thought was interesting from his like leavers interview he did because they were like you you as you've just mentioned Anton Deck said oh well you never really seem that phased and he said that because he was always looking he was always checking on other people which helped him and he said there was one moment where he nearly lost it I can't remember what it was but then I think Owen had a bit of a wobble as well and he just refocused that onto Owen and that's what you know got him through it and I just think that's such a the fact that he's got that skill set to be able to cope with things you know knowing how to cope with something but just shows what a nice guy he is as well that he's always focusing on other he gets his comfort from helping others yeah, that's right. It was when I think they were struggling to get some food and then um, randomly they introduced sort of an extra ch- sort of challenge and uh, it was Owen and, and Mike and uh, might have been Matt as well. They were they were trying to win a, a fry up, a, a big breakfast for the next day. I think just before that, Owen had had a real dip, possibly because of the lack of food. Like you say, and then Mike, I think that sort of almost re-energised him or made him refocus. He got Owen sort of together in the right headspace and then they went and did this trial and they actually did it really well eventually and and won all this food and and I think there was no looking back after that it was all quite positive but yeah he he was de- I think he was a very sort of solid it was it, it was a good performance and he definitely um doesn't regret sort of taking part or signing up everything everything he said since um he seems to have found it a really positive experience and I think he did because there's always going to be that there must have been nerves in the royal family about it of what if you accidentally what if you know everyone says you forget the cameras are there what if you do forget the cameras are there a bit too much but I get the impression that he never actually did there were a few moments where people started talking about the royal family and he you know you do see you did see his face kind of go right I need to think about what I'm saying here but I do think he did really well and one of the moments actually that we didn't get a chance to speak about because we didn't catch up last week but Owen asked what it's like to be around the house at Buckingham Palace and Owen bless him did say are you all right to talk about this and Mike went well yeah yeah you know of course I am and it was Owen said like what do you you know what do you wear when you're just walking around the house um thinking that you know you had to go fully suited and booted he was like no you just walk around in your jeans and t-shirt he was given these little insights but I think did very well at knowing where that line 
was of not sharing too much. Yeah, that's right. And that was a really nice moment. People were really interested in that when he spoke about sort of being able to wear jeans to breakfast. Um, and weirdly, the way it was edited, it sort of got cut off, I think, because Anton Deck came back or something was read out. And um, some people were really frustrated and saying, oh, we were, Owen was just sort of getting, he was just cracking in. We were just starting to get some new sort of gossip or new insight. Um, but to be honest, I'm not sure how much more there would have been. I think you're right. He He seemed quite guarded not in a bad way but just he's obviously well aware that anything he does say will get picked up even the comment about the jeans wearing the jeans I think got a lot of publicity afterwards and it was just a very short section of the show so had he have been speaking very frankly all the time about the royal family it, it could have had sort of quite bad repercussions if he if he says anything wrong so he's got to be very careful similarly when he came out of the of the camp he didn't uh lots of them do sort of interviews and and stuff with with the press that when we're out there, but unfortunately Mike didn't do that. And I think that's probably for the same reason, because there's a limit to what he can say. He, I did speak to him afterwards and we had a very brief chat and I thanked him for speaking and he was very polite and very nice, but he, you know, he just, he just did the, probably the right amount of things for it to be a success, I guess. And he said afterwards, because he has done in a couple, he did a very brief interview on Good Morning Britain alongside Owen the kind of day after the final. And what I really liked on there, because they asked him about if the Royals was watching it, and he said he didn't know he was watching it, but they were expecting lots of joke Christmas presents this year. So obviously, you know, I'm sure our listeners will know, famously the Royals get each other jokey bits. And he said that he'd, fig- he'd be able to figure out who'd watched it based on what his Christmas presents looked like, which I did I did quite enjoy. Um yeah, I wonder what what kind of what would you yeah like are they called like, yeah, Billy tins and stuff like that or what level of or jazzy swimming trunks I think probably as well. Yeah, and the swimming trunks you can own yourself now as well. If any of the listeners fancy uh, trying them <laughs> or want to do a joke present for themselves, um, Mike's teamed up with uh, I think it's an Australian uh, company and um, there's a he's, he's launched a couple of pairs and and all the money goes to uh, a Parkinson's charity which I know Mike's worked with in the past. Um, so that's quite a nice thing. Um, yeah, it, it would be great to be a, a fly on the wall uh, at Christmas to know. I'm sure quite a few of them watched it, or even if they're not watching it, I've seen some clips fr- from the show. And it would be great to see sort of, and even I guess when he came out, the text messages and the WhatsApp messages he got, um, just to see what they thought. But yeah, it's, it, it's all it's all good fun. It all seems to have worked out quite well. Yeah. And we know Beatrice definitely watched it because Princess Beatrice, she doesn't use social media, unlike her sister Eugenie, who's obviously on it quite a lot. But Beatrice tweeted for the first time in a year to just say he's simply, you know, like he is he is the best. He is amazing. So we know they were there. I can't believe that because obviously we know he's such good friends with Prince William. I cannot believe that he wasn't sitting there and watching and laughing at it. But no, like I said, these little touches are all brilliant. But yeah, so generally then overall, before I let you go, how do you think the kind of the first royal in the jungle got on? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a be, a be close to a 10 out of 10, maybe a 9 out of 10, I think. From the viewer's point of view, I guess they'd like to have heard a bit more in terms of the royals. Um, we didn't get huge amounts of that. Um, but having said that, we did, looking back, we he spoke quite a lot about how he met Zara and uh, we we got we got the princess Anne anecdote as well about um his, his his suits ripping and we got that you know we got some other anecdotes so I think there was probably just enough to keep people entertained and and I think he was a good choice in terms of a role to go in there I think his his mentality from his rugby days made him sort of strong enough to to last the last the course as well so 
yeah, I think it was great. Hope, hopefully it's the f- first of many. Maybe next, who knows? Maybe next year we'll get another one. I was going to say, who would be your dream royal campmate? Oh, I mean, I mean it's, difficult, it's difficult because I don't think, I think in reality, I'm not sure a lot of them. Let's not bring reality to into it. That's boring. Yeah, okay. We don't want, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think Harry would be Harry would be I think, mine. Yeah. I he'd be, um, I, I'm not sure he'd hold back quite as much in terms of what he was saying in there either. So I think he'd probably be the, the pick of the bunch for me. Me too. I think he would be fantastic. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the podcast and being our special guest for the last few weeks. Um, and yeah, I hope you manage to get some sleep soon and your body clock gets back to UK time soon. Oh, it's been good fun. Thanks very much. Now, obviously, we didn't get a chance to record last week, so we've got a full kind of a full catch up to do but we're going to do it very bullet point because there's so much to get through so we had a state visit and this was the kind of the first glitz glam tiaras jewels occasion we've had since the queen passed so it was the uh, president of the republic of south africa well it was we had a uh, a very glittering uh, occasion with the the president of south africa cyril ramaphosa um and it went off without a hitch i think it was uh, it was good to see a bit of glitz and glam and it's all been a bit um you know a bit of a, a new guard getting used to the, the new king obviously prince and princess of wales were, were out and about as well taking on new duties and uh and and london looked resplendent a bit of pomp and pageantry which we like to see so um yeah i think it, it went without, without a hitch charles made a couple of gags in his speech he sort of mentioned uh the the the, the queen and uh, nelson mandela's famously close relationship um he got a uh, he got a bit of props from from mr ramaphosa for t- trying his hand at the the many languages spoke in uh, south africa i think he i think there was more than six he said sort of uh, uh, the traditional greetings which was which was um reacted rather kindly yeah as i said it was just lovely to go back to that kind of real royal setting and seeing you know both king charles camilla and the New Wales is in this very royal position, which was lovely. But I think one of my favourite stories from the last few weeks is the Paddington Bears have got their new home. So this was the, gosh, I think it was hundreds of the, in the end of teddy bears that were left um, in tribute to the Queen when she passed outside kind of uh, Buckingham Palace. And we knew they were staying there, but they posed them all up at different place around Clarence House and Buckingham Palace. Like they were reading books, they were sliding down staircases. It was fantastic. And Queen Camilla took them uh, to uh, meet to one of the centres for Bernardo's, uh, met children, parents and volunteers to kind of drop them off at their new homes. And they travelled in kind of a what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a fleet. It's like, a, yeah, like a load of black cabs uh, all took them down. They were kind of taken out by all proper royal staff. There was a picnic and of course, marmalade sandwiches. Um, and Mr. Brown was even there. So I think they did that really, it was just a really nice touch. I think they did it so well and it was just a nice, positive, little, little addition thing. And Sophie Wessex was at the zoo. Great pictures from that. They're great pictures. I mean, it's, the, the Paddington Bear was was a fantastic uh, initiative. Rather than sort of binning all these teddies that have been left uh, um, out in the the, the 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 wind and the rain and the mud, I suppose, thousands of volunteers, hundreds of volunteers, got together and cleaved thousands of teddy bears, and they take took them to to Bernardo's, which is a children's charity. Um, so saluting the, the the volunteers who took that uh, under their wing, and then we got to see so- Sophie Wessex and some animals. So. 
you know, it was a pretty pretty fun packed uh, week last week. It was really. And Princess Anne was in the Falkland Islands, and there were a gorgeous photo of her, kind of dressed down as she does best, but with surrounded by loads of penguins. Well, I, you know what? This trip, I, I was tr- trying to to go on the uh, trips to Falklands, but um, Princess Anne, who doesn't really give a fig about journalists following her on the trips, said that she was far too busy to engage with anyone, so we didn't end up going. <laughs> which is, and Arthur Edwards, legendary sun photographer, had always told me, he said that Princess Anne treats reporters and journalists like uh, like telegraph poles. She doesn't care whether you're there or not. So, um, but it, yeah, she was there for seven days. I mean, it's got a big old stint to, to go out there. So I'm sure the sure the people of the Falklands were were very appreciative of her efforts. It was a, yeah. It sounded like she packed in. You know, she packed in a lot as well, which is really nice. Kind of learning about kind of the. Con- uh, conservation stuff uh, the military side of it um, and she laid a reef in mark of the um, anniversary of the 1982 conflict so a really a really nice trip that she went on with uh, Sir Timothy Lawrence so it was lovely now you've obviously got a jam-packed few days um, is there anything else coming up in Royal Land? Well, I don't think anyone's going to care about anything else after this documentary is <laughs> coming out. Do you know, what? I would just need to give a quick shout out to Sarah Cooley in Boston because she um, she sort of uh, shouted at me when I was waiting at the fixed point at City Hall and we had a really nice chat and she said, I love the podcast, big fan of the podcast, listen every week. So thank you very much. It was lovely meeting you, Sarah. Um, and all the other pe- all the other people who, said, who were telling me that they love the podcast. So we we love our international cousins, don't we? We really do. And also, just to mention, I meant to mention at the top of the show, but um, it didn't get round to it in the end. But Dan also told me that on last week's recording, I said there was a tech issue at the end of it and that there was loads of beefing. And actually, it was uh, producer Dan Jackson's put in a little secret message. So this is two weeks ago show. Listen to the end. If anyone can work it out, you will make Dan a very happy man uh, because so far he's had no correct guesses as to what the Morse code says. I don't know. He won't tell me. So please, can somebody get it right so that I'm allowed to find out what it is because it's been driving me slightly mad. Now, (laughs) it feels like it's been a slightly chaotic episode this week and we do apologise for that, but that is because of so much breaking news. Obviously, Russ out and about and getting to engagements. But thank you so much for joining me, Russell. Thank you to everyone for listening. Um, Like I said, we're always on Instagram and Twitter at Podsave. And until next time. Podsave the King! 